0: masachet ba kama daf kof during the end of the masachet anumi shna ha gozel et chavedo o shelva hemu o chef kid lo ba yeshev lo yachzir lo ba midbar uh, someone who steals something from someone else, money, or, or he borrowed from him, or someone deposited an item with that person, and now it's time to, he, either he's a, th- a thief and he decides to return it, or the loan is due, or it's time to return that deposit. Um, uh, the person returning it uh, cannot return it in the middle of the desert in an unsettled area where it's not safe. Um, so the, the uh, lender can say, no, I don't want to accept it here. Right, Come, uh, bring it to the house, bring, give it to me in the city where I can safeguard it, I can take it home properly. You're finding me in the middle of the nowhere where there's bandits and it can be stolen? I, I, he doesn't have to accept it in that place. However, if when they first made the loan or the or deposit, um, he said, listen, I'm going to borrow this on condition that I'm going out into the desert. So I'm going to be there. Uh, therefore, I want to be able to return it while we're in the unsettled area. Uh, so in that case, the person who gave it, the lender, um, or the owner of the item, does have to accept it officially in the unsettled area. We challenge this. Uh, challenges from the Resha that says a loan can be paid back in any place, whereas an item that you uh, that you borrow or are watching for someone has to be paid back in its place. That makes sense for an item because uh, you can't expect uh, people to have to carry around the item all the way back home. Um, but money, uh, you have to accept anywhere. This is a contradiction to the Mishnah that did not did make any distinction and said money also uh, you cannot return in the in an unsettled area. I said, actually, this Baraita is not talking about the obligation of the person returning, but rather the rights of the person requesting, that the someone who lends money has a right to claim it in any location even if they're in in, uh, in, uh, in in the road in the desert he has a right to say oh this is you know it's time for my money back and he can expect that the person should have the money and pay it back whereas if it's an item and it said uh, you know I lent you my lawnmower and now we're in the middle of the desert I say oh I need my lawnmower back you can't expect him to be carrying around the lawnmower everywhere he goes rather only back in their location uh, go back in the city and then ask for the lawn, lawnmower back. Um, said, Bamidbar the Sefa said, if they made the loan or the deposit on condition that it will be returned in the unsettled area, then he's allowed to return it in the unsettled area. Well, isn't that obvious? You can make any condition, right? A condition, I return it in space. would so be a valid condition. La Sidiha da Marle, Leheve, Hi, Picadon, Gabach, da Anna, Lamidbar, Nafik, Navamarle, Ihu, Anna Lamidbar, Nami, Bain, Lamipak, Ibain, Lahadrin, who lach, Hatam, Mahadarna, lach. What Tomarik is not what they made an official stipulation about it, but rather where the depositor the giver said to the person watching it "Uh, let it be with you right watch this because I'm going out into the unsettled area and the watchman said oh actually I also need to go out into the unsettled area and therefore if he needs to return it, because they're going, both going to be there, then he will return it. It's not that he said on condition, but rather uh, since they had a mutual understanding that both of them are going to be um, out of town. So that, uh, therefore, that is a possibility, and it's uh, valid if he returns it also out of town. Next, Mishnah. Ha'omelecha hilvitani someone comes to his friend the Gemara is going to discuss did his friend claim first that you owe me money or not okay either way a person comes and says listen I robbed from you or um, you lent me money or you gave me a lawnmower to, to, uh, to use and I don't remember I'm not sure if I returned it to you if I paid you back or not in that case, he has to pay, because he's not sure, maybe he does owe. However, He says in the first place, I don't really know if I stole from you in the first place, or if you even lent to me in the first place, or if you gave me something to watch for you, then he does not have to pay. In the Resha, he admitted that he definitely owes. So that's why he does have to pay. Whereas in the Sefa, he never admitted that he necessarily owes anything. But in both, case, both cases, he is not sure if he currently owes. Now, what the Mishnah doesn't say is, was, did the other party claim something first or not? So we're going to bring that in. Itamar. li vehala Rav amre Hayav nachman yochanan amre patur. If a claimant says, you owe Me a hundred dollars, and the other uh, says, the defendant says, I I don't know. I'm not sure if I owe you or not. So this is Bari v'shema. The claimant is sure that he's owed 100 dollars and the defendant is not sure if he if he does or not. He's not he's not denying it, but he just doesn't know. So in that case, Ravuna and Rabyuda say he does have to pay, and Avnachman and Be Yochanan say he does not have to pay. Oh, what's at the root of their machlok? Ravuna and Bari Bari Adif. says he does have to pay because if you have someone with a certain claim and the other has is uncertain. So so the certain one will win out, right? He knows, so we should follow him. And you have to pay. Whereas the other two sages, no, it's a, does not does not, have, does not have to pay because leave the money where it is until the other person can prove. Um, bring two witnesses that I owe you and then I will pay. But right now, all you have is a certain claim, with, but it's not backed up. So you can't. I'm. I'm not sure. Um, I. I. I can't. I'm not denying it, but I'm not agreeing either. You bring proof, and then I'll pay you. Tenan. So now we're going to uh, prove Rav Nachman and Rabbi Yochanan's opinion challenged uh, to Rav Hunan and Rav Yehuda. Um, Mishnah says, "Aval im Amalo im hilvitani patur." And Mishnah that we just learned in the Sefa says. If a person says, I'm not sure if I, if, I, if you lent me money in the first place, he does not have to pay. Now, what kind of case is this? If there was no claim, no claimant, the claimant didn't say anything, someone just came, came, to, came up to court and said, or came up to his friend and said, I'm not sure if you ever lent me. Well, in that case, then it would have to be the same case in the resha. in the resha also would be where there's no claim to begin with. So that means a person just comes up, comes to his friends, says, listen, I know I, I borrowed something from you. I don't know if I paid you back. But if there's no claim, why would you have to say uh, that he is liable? He's the one that just admitted in the first place, I, I borrowed from you, but I'm not sure I paid back. So, Hapesha Asadu hu He's the one that made that created the uh, knowledge that there is was a loan, but, uh, but he doesn't know if he should pay back. How can you force him? If they, there was no claim to begin with. Rather, the resha certainly must be where there was a person claimed you owe me money. The other person admits, "Oh yes, I uh, I did I did borrow from you, but maybe I'm not sure if I paid you back." There it would make sense to say that he is liable. So therefore, the sefah is also where there is a claim and it says patur so that means someone said you owe me money another person says i don't know all right that's it that that that's the case of the sefa of the mishnah and that's exactly the same as the case that they were arguing about and it says patur which is a proof for rav nachman and rav Yochanan, a challenge to ravuna rav and rav yehuda so we answer Lo, le-olam no in fact we're talking about both clauses of the Mishnah is there's no claimant and so why is the person coming in the Resha? He wants to fulfill his obligation from heaven even though there's no claimant he's trying to remember he says oh you know what I, I'm pre- I, I know that I did borrow from him and I'm not sure if I paid back so he's going to his friend and says you know I want to be totally clear I want to be fulfill my obligation to you and to heaven and since I know that I borrowed from you but I'm not sure if I paid back, so then he has to pay back just in case, even when there is no claimant. And therefore the sefa also could be where there is no claimant. And so he's uh, only patu because there was no claim. But if there was a claim, then he then he would have to pay. And that's what Rav Yuna, Ravuna, Ravuna, and Rav Yuda said, so that's the answer. Now that we use this argument to help out Rav Yehuda and Rav Huna, we see that this is also useful for Rabbi Yochanan. Even though Rabbi Yochanan disagreed, in a different case, he also actually uses this very same argument. Itmar amar Rabbi Chiyabar Aba amar Rabbi Yochanan, ha-melech li-biadcha, ve-hala-omer eni yodeya chayav. If one person says, you owe me a hundred, that's Bari, he knows for sure. And the other one says, I'm not sure. So actually, it'll be Yochanan said in this case that Patur, right? That was the case of Patur. He doesn't have to pay. However, um, he is Chayav if he wants to fulfill his obligation in terms of heaven. Right, Even though from the letter of the law, he can say, listen, I'm not sure. You bring proof. You bring two witnesses. So in a court, he wouldn't have to pay. But if he wants to be totally clear, even from heaven, then he would have to pay, and Rabbi Yochanan would agree to that. Um, so, just like you say that here, so too, you can say in the Resha, even though there's no claimant, um, you could say Chayav, that, that means according to Rav, Yehu- Rav Yehuda, it means that he wanted to fill his obligation to heaven. Next Mishnah: Hagonev Talemin ha'Ayeder ve'ha'Chesidah. Umet Onignav Chayav ba'Achadutam. Someone goes and steals a lamb from someone else's flock, and then he also returns it. However, after he returned it, he he returned it without telling the owner. So it's stolen, he returned it, but he didn't tell the owner and it dies or it gets stolen by someone else. The first thief is responsible um, because he didn't let the owner know that he returned it. So he's going to snuck back. Is that sufficient? You steal something, you sneak back in and return it. Does that mean nothing happened? Uh, No, you took ownership over it, you took responsibility over it when you stole it, and therefore returning it is not enough. You have to tell the owner. However, 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 if the owner never knew that it was stolen in the first place, and also never knew that it was returned, and he counts all his sheep, he knows he has... 20 sheep he counts them all 20 are accounted for then once he does that so the owner takes back responsibility from it being stolen and even though he doesn't know it was returned and actually never even knew it was stolen in the first place once he counts it he takes responsibility back, and then if the sheep dies after that, he is not liable. Givana is going to bring four different interpretations of this Mishnah, of exactly which uh, uh, which cases we're talking about. Did the owner know that it was stolen or not know? In which case, there's two clauses, the resha and the sefa. The resha is assuming that he knew when that it was stolen, but didn't know it was returned. The sefa is that he didn't know it was, it was stolen or returned. Okay, there's going to be different interpretations. Amar Rav, number one. Rav says, if the owner knew it was stolen, then he has to have awareness that it was returned. Right? He saw that it was stolen, then the thief has to come, knock on the door and says, I am returning it. And once he returns it, then he's off the hook. But if he just put the back, so uh, not not good enough. He will he will be responsible even if it dies. However, if the if the owner never knew it was stolen, then it's enough that just to return it also in secret, and um, as long as the owner counsel the sheep and they're all there, then that's it, the, oh, the, the thief is not responsible. So according to that reading, when it says, when one counts, then um, and the full count is there, he is not, uh, he is not uh, li- no longer liable, that is only talking about the sefah, when the owner didn't know it was stolen in the first place. But this does not apply to the resha, the resha where the owner knows it was stolen, the counting is not enough, he actually has to be told specifically here, I am returning your sheep. Shmuel is more lenient on the thief and he says whether the owner knew that it was stolen in the first place or didn't know it was stolen in the first place doesn't matter as long as the thief returns it and the owner counts up his sheep and all 20 are there. Then that's it. The robber is off the hook. According to Shemuel, the last line that says, as long as you count it, then the, the robber is uh, off the hook. That is going on both the resha and the Sefer. A third opinion is, <laughs> is the most lenient. He says, if the owner knew it was stolen, then it's sufficient that the uh, that he return, that the robber return it, and the owner count it. So you see that the last line, as long as you count it, the robber is not liable. That's talking about the first case where the owner knows it was stolen. And let's say the owner didn't know it was stolen. Well, then he doesn't even have to count. If it's just in the middle of the night, the robber goes, takes it. He, after a half hour, he feels bad. Nah, no, I don't want to do that. He returns it. That's it. Uh, and and then it dies after, the robber is uh, not responsible um, because the owner never knew that it was stolen in the first place. So that's the most lenient on the robber. Rav Chista is the opposite of Rav. He says, Rav Chistah says, If the owner knew that it was stolen, then, as long as he counted, since he knew it was stolen, so he knows it was 19. He counts and sees that there's 20 because it was returned. So now he knows it was returned. So that's sufficient. And then, the, once he counts, the robber will not be, be responsible. So you see that Rav Hista agrees that the counting goes on the resha. In that sense, in, in that one sense, he agrees with Rabbi Yohanan. However, He's more stringent in saying that if the owner never knew that it was stolen, then he has to specifically be told that it was returned. Uh, because he did not know it was stolen, and so he didn't even know to look out for it. Um, uh, so he has to be told to, it was returned. We're going to explain Rav right now. Amar Rava de Hoilvan Nigre How come Rav Chista requires that when the owner didn't know was stolen, that he has to be specifically told it's being returned? Why is it enough that he just counted up? Uh, uh, and and see that it's there. Uh, the reason is because once the thief takes it out, he's teaching the lamb that it can go far out. Uh, it can go past the border. The lamb, its whole life is in the, in the pen, so that's easy easy to uh, to watch it. Once the thief takes it out, oh, a whole new world for the lamb. Oh, look at this, right? I can venture out, and so now it's going to be harder to supervise. So you have to tell the um, the uh, the owner, listen, this is the lamb here that I stole right, sorry about that, and then the owner will know this one was stolen, it ventured out, and he can watch it properly, but you have to tell him so that he uh you have to tell him it was stolen so that he can see that it's uh, washed properly. Now, from the fact that it was Rava who asked a question and um, explained, and helped explain Rav Chista, it sounds like Rava agrees with Rav Chista. So we challenge that. Does Rava agree with Rav Chista? That as long as the owner knew that it was stolen, it's enough just to count it? V'amma Rava, Haimadah haziyah l'chavre d'agba imra me'adre ma Ulma kalav v'shadyeh. velaya yada'i hadre ila hadre U'me'et o'n ignav haya Rava said that if a person sees someone else uh, picking up a lamb in his flock to steal it, and he's there, he's watching it, so he knows that it's about to be stolen. And he cries out and yells and says, go away thief, put that down. And then he sees the thief run away, but he's not sure if the thief took the animal with him or returned it. And at some point later it dies or is stolen by someone else. The robber is responsible. That's what Ava said. Now what's, what, what's the case that we're talking about? Is it not that the owner went and counted uh, is it presumably that he, he suspects that one of his sheep was counted so wouldn't he go out and count them and uh, therefore he knew that it was stolen right because he saw him uh, potentially walk out or run out with it um, and he so then he counted and they were all there and according to Rav Christa, if you if the if the owner knows and then it's counted the robber is no longer liable so why would the uh, teach here that he is liable and the answer is de la no we're talking about a case where the owner did not count it since he didn't count it and certainly he wasn't told and he didn't know that's why the robber is still responsible and now we uh, have a challenge against <inaudible> did Rav really say that when the owner did not know that it was stolen, that it's enough just to count it, um, if, and then it's returned. He didn't know it was stolen, and then it's returned. As long as he counts it, then the, the, uh, the, the robber is not responsible. Is that true? have also said that if someone stole something and then returned it, in a faraway uh, area, um, that the owner isn't there, he has a pen that's or a shepherd that's out in the in the unsettled area, and that's sufficient. Well, in that case, uh, the owner would not have known that it was returned and would not have been able to count it either. So why would Rav say that he fulfilled his obligation? It should not be fulfilled. Rav Hanan Baraba explains that Rav here is talking about a case of a spotted sheep. Because it's spotted, it's it's the only spotted one in his uh, in his herd. He the owner would look out says, "Where's where's the spotted sheep?" And he would notice immediately that it's gone. And therefore, this is the same as. Uh, if he actually knew that it was stolen and just like he knew it was stolen because it's distinctive when it's returned uh, also the shepherd who's there will see it and recognize it and know that it was returned that's why Idaf says it doesn't matter where it's returned even if he didn't uh, even if he wasn't uh, even if he didn't know specifically it was stolen he'll realize it was stolen because it's so distinctive We next propose that the following braita includes within it all four of the opinions of the Amoraim that we saw. Um, are going to be included as a Machloket between tanaim in the following badaita. Although there's only two Tana'im, but there's also two cases, so two times two, uh, we can find all four opinions. Hagonef talemina Vesela minakis, la ganav yachzir, Sarich dat bealim. Someone who steals a sheep from a herd, or he steals a coin from someone's purse. So uh, and he, now he has to return it. So according to the Bishmael, Ishmael, he just returns it to where he got it from. He doesn't have to tell the, the, uh, the owner, just he's a pickpocket. Just like he pickpocketed it out, he can put, pickpocket it back in without the owner realizing it. Um, whereas Rabbi Akiva says in both cases, you have to tell the owner, listen, I took this out of your purse, I want to return it. I took the sheep and I want to return it. Okay. We're going to assume right now for the purpose of this argument that everybody agrees with Rabbi Yitzchak who says that people are always counting their money in their pocket, in their purse. They're always checking to look to make sure nothing fell out or no one stole anything. And therefore, we can assume that the guy had 10 coins in it before and someone stole one. He's going to be looking in a few minutes and he's going to notice, oh, there's only nine. It was stolen. And therefore, the case of the purse is one where he knows that something was stolen. And now we have a machloket. When one knows it was stolen, so are they not arguing on this very matter? And Rabbi Akiva, who says that you have to return it to the person specifically, that would be what Rav says, um, that if you know, if you know it was stolen, you have to know when it was returned. Uh, whereas Rabbi Ishmael would agree with Shemuel, or the other way around, Shemuel, the Amora would agree with Rabbi Ishmael, that is. It's enough that it's counted right and just like when it's stolen he's counting every every few minutes and sees it was nine as long as the pickpocket right puts it back in um, uh, even without the owner knowing But we assume the owner counts every few minutes and then they'll count some time later and said, oh, no, now it's 10. It was returned. Okay. he doesn't know who took it, but it doesn't matter. Once that happens, the robber is off the hook. Even if that purse gets stolen by somebody else later, um, the first robber is not responsible. As long as the owner counted, counted when it was gone and counted when it came back, he's good. Because he knew about it. Actually, according to Shemuel, even if he never realized it was gone, right? As long as it was counted at some point, and then and then stolen by the second guy after um, the first robber is off the hook. Okay, so there there we see uh, within the case of the purse the Machloket between Rav and Shemuel. Now we're going to propose that the other case regarding the sheep um, has the other Machloket in it. Now in printed edition it says the word La as if it's rejecting the point before, um, but this, is, uh, this word should not be there. If you can see here in the, Vilna, in the Vilna printing, actually the word La is in parentheses to be erased, and that's correct, it should be erased, because you see in all of the manuscripts, uh, the word La is not there. So this is not rejecting what we just saw, but continuing. Um, if the case of purse tells us the Machalok Kvetunav and Shemuel, and then, Betaleh she'lo ledat, Uplukta t'dav chistavadav Why mention two cases? The case of the sheep, that's where the owner didn't know. Because unlike a purse, where people are always counting their money, people are not constantly counting their sheep unless they can't sleep. Um, So uh, this is a case where the owner didn't know. And here also, Rav Chista would be the opinion of Rabbi Akiva that you have to, uh, since he didn't know, um, you have to return it and tell him because now it learned how to go past the pen and now it's going to have to uh, be watched more, guarded more carefully. Uh, Whereas Rabbi Ochanan follows the opinion of Rabbi Ishmael that if he didn't know it was gone, you don't have to tell him it was returned. According to B'yochanan, you don't need anything. You don't even have to be. You don't even have to count it. So even if he doesn't, he didn't count it uh, uh, since it was stolen, or from before it was stolen. It doesn't matter as long as the thief takes it and returns it. Um, that's it. He did his obligation. And if it dies or is stolen after, the thief is not responsible. So now we have all four Amoraim. Um, are built into this machloket uh, tanaim. Uh, so is this a good proposal? We reject it. Amadavzavid, Mishmed Rava Bishome, Shegana, Mirshut, Baldim, Kule Amala, Pelige, Kedrav Hista, Vaha, Bishome, Shegana, Mirshuto, Sheahzil, Makom, Sheganav, Kamipalge, Reviakiba Sabad, Kalta, Lo Shemirato, Rebishmel Sabad, Lo Kalta, Lo Shemirato, Ravzavid, the name of Ravas is actually, it could be that everybody agrees with Rav Hista. This makes sense. Remember Rava, before he's the one that defended Rav Chista, which meant he agreed with them. So he, he wants all the Tanaim to be on Rav Chista's side. And therefore he says, if it's a uh, Shomer, a Custodian, who steals from the owner's field... Um, so he went, he, he, although he's a he's a watchman, but he goes into the uh, the the owner's field and takes something. Um, so everyone would agree that we would follow Rav Chista. if he knew. Then he has to count it first, and if he didn't know, he has to let him know. But this this machlok uh, between the are talking about a different case of a shomer who steals it from. The, from his own domain. In other words, someone gave him a uh, sheep to watch. Okay, he's watching the sheep and he decides he's going to sh- steal the sheep that he is meant to watch. So he didn't go into someone else's property. Um, he, he, got, he took it from his own property and now he took it somewhere else. He's stealing it. He's on his way to take it to a different place. But then he changes his mind and he returns it. Um, so he returns it back to his own home where he was supposed to keep it the whole time that's where the machloket is says once he removes it from the place that it's supposed to be so now he is a thief and his uh, guardianship ends he's no longer a guard and therefore if it gets stolen from from him at that time uh, the th- the thief is responsible because he doesn't have the exemptions that a shomer would, or if it dies. Where Rabbi Shmuel said, um, no, even though he took it took it away with intention to um, to steal it, but now he returned it, he is still called a shomer, and a shomer is not liable if it gets stolen or lost, not because of his negligence. So therefore, he is not responsible. So we're talking about they they're arguing on a. Different, different uh different case completely. Um, but if it was actually stolen um, from a different place by, by the Shomer or by anyone, in fact, then they would all agree with Now a new proposal. Um, does counting get the um the robber off the hook and no longer responsible? Um, that is a machloket between the following Tanaim. Can we propose that? Did Tanya Hagozel A robber steals a lamb from someone else. Um, and the victim realizes that the lamb was stolen, and now the robber uh, he feels bad. He wants to pay back the uh, the owner for the amount, but he's embarrassed to come in and confront him and say, "Oh, I stole, and here's the thing back." He wants to return the money in a subtle way, and so here's what he does: he goes and buys something. The thief, uh, the robber, buys something from the owner, but he overpays, right? And he overpays by the amount that that stolen lamb was worth. Um, so in that case, right? Uh, where the question is, does he realize that the, it was uh, returned? Was the money returned? So and now we'll talk about that in a second. Now there's two but I thought about this case. Uh, one says, the robber fulfilled his obligation because he returned the money. That's okay. And the other version says, No, it's not sufficient. He has to go and tell him directly. Now, right now, let's propose that everyone agrees with the opinion of Rabbi Yitzchak that it's human nature. A person counts as money all the time. And therefore, when he gets, let's, let's say he um, had sold something for... Uh, you know, a thousand dollars, and um, so he's expecting a thousand dollars to, thousand coins to be in his in his in his wallet, and now he counts and he sees there's a thousand one hundred extra overpayment, and uh, the overpayment would was for the lamb that was stolen. So he therefore this is the same as counting, right? He he sees that. This uh, the money was returned. So then the Machlok, it seems to be as follows. Uh, one opinion, the opinion B- says he fulfilled his obligation, thinks that as long as you count, it's okay. That would be the opinion of Shemuel. Uh, whereas the opinion, the, the Brayta that says you did not fulfill the obligation, he would f- say like Shemuel, um, because he knew he was stolen from, it's not sufficient if he just counts and sees everything is there. The robber has to specifically go and say, I am returning this item. Since he, when he stole it, it was a full stealing with knowledge of the owner. The return also has to be a full return with knowledge of the owner um, or is sufficient account. So it seems that this is a parallel makhloket. Amri, lan <laughs> amala poter. So the answer is, no. If you follow the B'israq, that people are always counting, then everybody would agree that counting is enough. In other words, both Tanaim, of both of those Barayatot, would agree that if you follow the B'israq, then they would uh, they would follow Shemuel, that you everybody people count all the time and then in this case he would be off the hook. That's not what the machloket was about. That's not the case. Rather, they're arguing about whether we can assume the uh, statement of Rabbi Yisachar at all. Um, uh, the uh, the baraita that says that he's off the hook, but uh, says. That says, Yasa, that's assuming that the that, uh, law is with Rabbi like that people always count, and therefore there was a count, and you're good. Whereas the other B'laitah says, Loyasa disagrees with Rabi like in the first place. He says, people don't always count their money, and therefore the person, will, the owner, will not have realized that it was even uh, returned, will not have even counted. And even Shemuel would say that if you don't count, and then it dies or gets stolen then the first robber is responsible and so actually both but i thought can be um, the opinion, can follow the same opinion as Shemuel. Or yet another answer. Or it could be that in fact both but I thought would agree with the is that a person counts their money all the time. And the difference is when the robber returned the money and to pay for the, overpay for that item, if he put it in the uh, in the owner's purse well then, the the owner may not know how much was in the purse, and so even if he's counting, he doesn't know how much was in there. There was there was uh, was in there to begin with, and how much there is now. So he would not be he would not be aware, and that's why loyasa. Whereas he put it in his hand, oh, it's in his hand, so now he knows he's going to count what's in his hand, and then he'll realize that's an overpayment, and that's why yasa. Or yet another answer, or oh, both could. Be when he actually put it in the purse, uh, with the over, with the whatever he bought with the overpayment. And uh, one is where he had other money in the in the purse, and he doesn't know necessarily how much money. Now it's all mixed in. In that case, the ra, the owner did not realize the overpayment, and that's why loyasa. Whereas the Braita that says he fulfilled his obligation is where there was no other money. He knew the purse was empty, and now he can see. Oh, that there was supposed to be only a thousand that he paid. I see now he paid eleven 1, hundred, so that's the same as counting, and that's why um, we're following Shemuel. And he fulfilled his obligation of returning because the owner uh, counted how much money and sees that the um, amount of what was stolen has now been returned. Next Mishnah. One is not allowed to buy stolen goods, and that includes things that are likely to be stolen. And therefore, you have a shepherd, he's watching someone else's animals. You can't buy from the shepherd milk. Or small animals, because it's likely that the shepherd is just stealing them from the owner without the owner's permission, selling them and making some money on the side. You also are not allowed to buy uh, produce from people who are watching the produce. This is a watchman, and so he's, uh, he's only there to watch it. Um, or, or trees that he's watching <coughs> because then he's probably taking some of the fruit or taking some of the wood from the trees. He's the watchman, so who's going to catch him without the owner's knowledge? But that's stolen property. One is permitted to buy from a married woman. Woolen goods in Yehuda. Women in Yehuda. That's where uh, they. That's where there's a lot of wool, and they would work with wool. Their their, their own. That of their, their theirs and their husbands. And we don't assume that the woman was not is is stealing this wool. Not to, in other words, not telling her husband and then selling it on the side. You don't have to worry about that. It's it's theirs. It's, it's together. And if she's selling it, it means that she has the husband's permission. Um, also, linen in the galley, that's, the, that's where linen was usually grown. And also, calves in Sharon, that's where there were calves, and the woman would, deal, would uh, take care of them. If they sell it, you can assume... That is with permission and then oh but in all these cases if the seller says listen just hide this right don't show it to anyone then it's prohibited because that means they have something to hide they don't want to see uh they don't want people to see oh where'd you get that uh nice wool from oh i bought it from that person then they'll go to that person and they'll be found out if in fact uh so if they're saying hide it it means that they probably are stealing it and that's why they want you to hide it Otherwise, they would say, "Show it off; it would get more customers." Um, now, eggs and chickens, one can buy in any place. Uh, these are just very cheap commodities. People aren't going to go steal them from the owner to sell to resell them. So you can assume that that the, all those are sold with permission. We have a light that expands on the Mishnah. Tenor of banen enochim min haroim lo izim velo gedayim lo gizim velo tedushin shel semer. Avav lochim mehen teforim mipnei shehen shelehen velochim mehen chalav gvinah ba midbar velo bayishuv. One cannot purchase from shepherds goats or kids or fleeces or torn pieces of wool. That's a, a, a fleeces is when it's shaven and torn. It's when they torn a little bit of hair at a time uh, off of it. Um, because in all these cases, it's likely that the shepherd st- is stealing it and selling it without permission of the owner. However, if it's uh, uh, um, if it's, so- it's a sewn garment, then you can assume that that's that's it belongs to the shepherd himself. Uh, he would uh, shepherd would sell raw material, but not something that's all uh, sewn. And the finished product, then it's probably his himself, and he has permission to sell it. Um, and then you and you can buy milk and cheese in an unsettled area, but not in a settled area. In the unsettled area, this is far away from the owner, from where the owner lives. And so, how are you going to get the milk all the way back to the owner? You, it's, you're in the you're in the middle of nowhere. So the milk is just going to go to waste. So therefore, it's likely that the shepherd has permission from the owner. To sell the milk and the cheese when you're out in the, in the wilderness, but if you're in the settled area near the city, then the owner, we suspect, will want the milk to come back to him and does not want it to be sold, and therefore it's stolen. Well, Braita continues and says, one is allowed to buy four or five sheep from a shepherd or four or five fleeces but not just two uh, uh sheep or two fleeces the reason is if you buy a lot then the owner is likely to rec- to realize right uh, you know yeah, before you had 20 we'll see the ratios that come will we'll discuss before you had 20 and now you're down to 15 the owner is going to realize immediately hey we asked the shepherd where's the other five so the shepherd is not going to steal and sell so many. But if it's only two, so then you know there's a lot. There's two less. the The owner may not spot that, the, realize that there's two missing. So a shepherd would steal and sell one or two. He wouldn't steal and sell four or five. You're asking, what about three? Okay, of course, the Gemara is going to answer that too. Uh, Rabbi Yehuda Omer: Beitot lochin mehen, mit bariot Lochin mehen. Rabbi Yehuda distinguishes between domestic animals that are near the home of the owner. Um, those you can buy from the shepherd because since they're near the home of the owner, the owner is looking and he's going to notice if there is some missing. Whereas if it's out in the wilderness, not where the owner is, and the owner just tells the shepherd, go you know, go out far away and take care of the animals, the owner is not going to notice if if they are missing. And so then it's more likely that the shepherd will steal them and sell them without the owner knowing. Here's the rule. That will cover all the bases. Called mocher, mehen. En and luchin mehen. Any case where, if the shepherd would sell it, the owner would realize, so then you can assume that he has permission from the owner and you can buy it from, uh, from the shepherd. But, in any case where the owner would not realize, and you can assume that the owner would not realize that these things are missing, then you have to assume that the shepherd may be stealing it and selling it without the owner's permission and therefore you cannot buy from them. That's the Baraita. Now we're going to analyze some parts of it. Amar son zan So it says that you can buy four or five sheep or four or five fleeces. Um, so if we know that you can buy uh, four then all the more so you can buy five. Because um, the more that you buy, the more likely it is it is that the owner will realize. So why do you have to say four or five? Just say four. So Rafflesista says no, it's not four or five. It's four out of five. That's the ratio. You can buy four fifths of the flock, or however many he has. He has a hundred. You can buy eighty. Or another version of the answer is four is for a small flock and five is for a big flock. The point is that it's going to be a number that will be noticeable uh, by the owner just by looking. And now we have a contradiction within the Brayta. Um, in the beginning of the Brayta, it says that if it's four or five animals or four or five <coughs> uh, fleeces, uh, one is allowed to buy. So that means four or five you're allowed, but three would not be allowed, too little. But the continuation says... But if it's two, then you're not allowed to buy. That means two you're not allowed to buy, but three you are allowed to buy. So three falls right in the middle. Which one is it? What do we do with three? So three is in the middle because it depends. If it's a nice, healthy, robust animal, then the owner will be uh, attentive to them and say, Oh, look, you know, where, where are those three big, strong animals that I had? And so, in that case, you're allowed to buy them because the owner would notice. But if it's three small, weak animals that the owner is not going to pay so much attention to, then you'd not been, you wouldn't be allowed to buy them because the owner would not notice that they were missing and the shepherd would steal them. bayatot lochin mehen mehen He added on to the braita that there's a distinction between uh, animals near the home that you can buy because the owner will realize and those in the desert where the owner won't realize, and so you cannot buy them. We ask Rabbi Judah, What's the relationship between Rabbi and the pre? What what um, uh, the law that was there previously? Is Rabbi modifying the Arisha regarding four or five animals, and he's being stringent, or is he modifying the Sefa about two animals, and he's being lenient? We elaborate as he modifying the Resha, and he's saying as, and he's being stringent as follows. The Rasha said you're allowed to buy four or five animals. But that, Rabbi Uda says, is only if there's four or five animals and they're near the house. Then the owner will realize because they're near him and it's a lot of animals. However, if it's out in the desert, even four or five, you're not allowed to buy. You can't, any amount, you can't buy. Even a lot of them out in the desert because the owner's is just not around, so he's not going to notice. Even many of them, if the many of them are missing. Mm-hmm. Or is the Be'udah's statement modifying the the sefah, um, and he's being lenient? And where sefa says you cannot buy. Two animals or just two uh, fleeces, because that 's not noticeable, but that stringency that prohibition only applies out in the desert if it 's out in the desert and it 's only a couple of animals, the owner will not notice. however, if it 's near his home, then even two the owner will notice right he 's looking around he' he'll, he see he sees that he 'll notice that there are two missing, and therefore near the other home, you can buy even just two animals that 's the question, and we have an answer. Here is a B'raita uh, quoting B'raita saying that the distinction one can buy the domestic animals near the owner but one cannot buy animals that are out in the wilderness. But then this B'raita adds, but in any place no matter where you can buy four or five. So, since it says in all places, right? Even um, in the and out in the wilderness, you can buy four or five. So that means that we the Biudah was uh, modifying the Sefer, and he is giving a leniency. Uh, the only case that wouldn't be allowed is if it's two or one or two out in the wilderness is very little and as far away where the owner isn't isn't there there it's likely that the shepherd will can steal them and resell stolen goods however in all other cases it would be permitted baruch adonai Olam amen v'amen